You're listening to the National Football Foundation's Tom Lombardo Chapter Podcast. How's everybody doing? We just want to welcome you here. Uh, first of all, MIZ. <laughs> yes, yes. Lots of black and gold in the house. Uh, glad to see all of you here. Uh, my name is Maurice Drummond. Uh, I am the sports director at Camel V here in St. Louis. Uh, I'm just honored and proud uh, to be your MC here for this event that we have every month uh, here for the National Football Foundation. And of course, uh, what a great organization is the National Football Foundation. You're talking about a, uh, an organization that was formed back in 1947 by General Douglas MacArthur. Got some pretty good stock there. And, uh, and, and it was all done to, to help promote the game of football with a special emphasis on, on amateur football and, and to help, and, and that's what we're doing today, you know, promoting amateur football, putting a spotlight on our student athletes, rewarding great achievement, leadership and scholarship, and that's why we're here today. And we want to thank you for your support. And we're, also, we're always looking for members, and I just want to direct you to Mr. Bob Button. Uh, he's the guy that, that handles that. And so what I see, where is the, uh, yeah, so membership, uh, if, you're, if you're current, great. If you're not a member, uh, see Bob, it's, it's $40 a year, uh, not much at all, and, and we really appreciate uh, your participation in that. Um, <clears throat> before we get started, um, as always, we always like to start off with a moment of silence uh, in memory, in the honor and in memory of Lieutenant Tom Lombardo. Um, he is the man who this chapter is so aptly uh, named after. Uh, he played high school football in St. Louis, uh, named the MVP in the St. Louis metro area. Uh, he attended St. Louis University, transferred to the U.S. Military Academy, played at Army. He was a team captain on the 1944 Army team that won it all. And he volunteered uh, on the front line of uh, the Korean War and uh, gave the ultimate sacrifice, lost his life in the war. Uh, we always like to start off this, uh, these, these ceremonies with a moment of silence in his memory. So if you could bow your head in a moment of silence, please, for Lieutenant Tom Lombardo. Thank you very much. And of course, today we get a chance to, uh, to hear the thoughts and observations and, and stories from the man who led Mizzou back to their first bowl game since 2014. And that man is directly to my right. You know him, the head coach of Mizzou, Mr. Barry Odom. <laughs> I'd also like to introduce a couple of fellas to you before we get going. Uh, first of all, I want to just introduce you to uh, a couple of men here who were just a couple of the greatest players who ever played at Mizzou. Uh, to my left, the great running back himself, Johnny Rowland. <laughs> to my far right, uh, one of the great offensive linemen to ever play, wore the star in his helmet with the Cowboys. He is also the Assistant Community Relations AD at Mizzou, Mr. Howard Richards. <laughs> and Mr. Ron McBride, where is he? There he is. 
one of the great Mizzou players to ever play the game. And to my immediate left, this gentleman, the Deputy Athletic Communications Director, Mr. Nick Juice. So we've got some things to talk about uh, with Coach Odom and Coach. First of all, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about about spring practice and uh, you got it going again, uh, coming off the Texas Bowl. Uh, let's just talk just right now, just getting just getting back into it. What's it like to to get the guys uh, just kind of back in gear and, and and getting it going? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm uh, excited and thrilled to be here. Thanks for joining uh, joining us today. What a great group. Uh, I, the parking lot was full when I came in, so I know it wasn't here to see me. So the support that that you guys provide as an organization and a, and a group, I, I appreciate a couple things with with this, the game of football, before I get into the question. Um, I appreciate the, the support that, that you guys and the high school coaches and all the different people in the crowd that support the game of football. I think we need to make sure that we don't lose sight of that because it's under attack in our society if you look at it. Um, we, we need to get beyond the fact that it's a tough and physical game no no doubt it is absolutely it is but you know what so is freaking downhill skiing i watched the winter olympics and that looked a lot more dangerous than playing football um so let's get beyond that yeah is it hard and tough and physical and all that stuff absolutely it is but the things that the game of football provides for our kids for our youth of america with the value of teamwork and working together for common goals you have to strain a little bit. Things are going to be uncomfortable, and then you've got to find a way to strain a little bit more together. That's what our world needs more of. So keep fighting the fight, and uh, I'm going to do, do the same uh, in, in any opportunity that I get to speak about uh, the game of football. I've got two sons that are age 13 and 12, and one of them's built like a pulling guard, and the other one's built like uh, a, a wide receiver, and, and they're getting into the sport of football. And, and they realize, if, you know, they've been asked forever now, hey, what, what's your favorite sport? And automatically they're like brainwashed, they're like football. And they look at me to make, make sure it's okay that they answered that way. Um, and, and they know that, you know, I'm not pushing them in to do it, but they know that, that they're going to go play and they're going to be great teammates. And I don't know if they're going to be worth a damn or not, but they're going to try hard and, and, and they're going to be the hardest competitors on their football team. So it's a great sport. It's changed all of our lives, uh, those that, that played with it or coach in it and have the opportunity to lead and guide and direct young men that need you as mentors and leaders and coaches uh, for the next 40 to 50 years of their life. So keep up the fight, that's all I'm saying uh, in a very long answer. Um, you know, we, we started back on January 18th. We started back after the bowl game. Uh, guys got a couple weeks away. School started back January 18th. And since that day, we've either worked out every morning either at 5.30 a.m. or 6 a.m., five days a week, we've had our guys up. And it's uh, the structure that we set out with that. There's a lot of reasons for that. One, I wanted to make sure that, that we ate breakfast together as a football program. Uh, I think the benefits that starting your day off together uh, over breakfast and over a meal and being able to build relationships with our team had four new coaching hires made, and that's another reason I did it. I wanted our coaches around our kids because if you build really true trusting relationships and it's gone away from the yelling and screaming on the football field, then you've got an opportunity to have a bond with them getting into the times when it's fourth and one and you're counting on them and they're counting on you. So we did that. I also did it because I wanted to cut out on the opportunity uh, to run the streets at night. And if they do that in college, uh, in, in our program right now, that you're going to get exposed the next morning. 
Um, so there's a number of reasons that we, we went to either 5.30 or 6 every morning. We ate breakfast, we worked out in the weight room or some sort of conditioning activity, and then by 11 o'clock on, on those days, they've got the rest of the day to, to make sure they're a student and to do all the things that they need to do academically. So we went through a period of five weeks of uh, our morning conditioning and winter, winter uh, winning edge program, we call it, and then we got into spring practice, and we've had 15 days of that, which you're allowed with finished up with the spring game, and uh, we're a lot better football team right now than we were at any point last year. So excited about our group. I'm excited about what these guys have done uh, from January until today. We've got a lot of work to do, but, but we're right where we need to be uh, on, on April 18th, or whatever it is. What is today? 18th, I got it. <laughs> well, you and I were discussing a little while ago. I'm just amazed at the fact that, you know, you can watch spring practice on national television. Um, you know, I just remember just being in the TV business and, and trying to find out, okay, when is spring practice? When can you go down and, and, and shoot the game? And so now, you know, basically people all over the country can look in uh, on your practice. I want to ask you, is, is there a challenge there? Is, is it fun? I, we, we know what, what the world is now in terms of, how information gets out quickly, where and how fast that you can see things. But is there a challenge when maybe you just want to work on just a few things at private, but now you're on national television just with your spring practice? Well, the, the, the course and the landscape of collegiate athletics has changed so much and, and really dramatically in the last even five years that you look at, especially with the SEC network, all the different things that go into um, – the opportunity for, for our fan base and our donors and our alumni to see uh, the vehicle of, of our football program. But also, we've got to take the approach that every time that we've got an opportunity to be on TV or our program put out with, with those in the public to see, it's got to be a recruiting tool for us. So uh, you're not ever going to see me in, in once we get into September, you know, just like the other day in the spring game, we had some fan involvement with people running out and catching a punt and a 40-yard dash. Uh, that's hard for me to do uh, during the course of a scrimmage, but uh, I understand the big picture and knows how know how uh, the things that we need to do. So um, I think it's changed dramatically, and it's not going to stop there. There's not the only thing I worry about a little bit with that is with with our with our team. We had a player had a shoulder injury the other day, and before we could walk off the field, it was on social media that that a kid had you know hurt his shoulder. So we didn't have a chance to call the mom and let her know what had happened. They're reading it on social media before the practice is even uh, over. So that, that's the, the thing I, I caution a little bit about, you know, continuing to push forward. But I think it's good. Anytime we get to our, our kids get exposure, get an opportunity to sell our program, uh, we're, we're going to try to jump at the opportunity to do that. I want to ask Howard, take us back, Howard, to, to spring practice back in the day. What was it like? What were the challenges back then? And, and how different is it now as opposed to when you were playing? If I can remember back that far, we're talking 41 years. Uh, I don't even know if Barry was born then. Um, but it, it, first of all, the, the biggest difference is we had 20 practices, and now there are 15. All of our practices were padded practices. And obviously with uh, the changes uh, in NCAA rules, uh, there are fewer. I don't even know if you guys, I don't know how many padded practices. Three. You have 15 total. Three have to be helmets only. Right. 12 padded. Yeah, so there, there, the risk of injury, you know, in practice because you're not going full speed, I think, uh, is is much less uh, than it has been before. But the biggest thing about it is that you, especially for younger players, you get that opportunity to really learn how to develop. If you if you're a freshman the previous year, 
you get to really absorb uh, the the system and all the the, the nuances of of the offenses and the defenses that um, the coaching staff is trying to, um, you know, focus on and getting you to learn. And the biggest thing that I've, when I talk to a lot of the young kids today, it's especially in the one-on-one situations, I tell them that, you know, understand where you are and what this all means. And sometimes when you go through the entire recruiting process, and especially with social media, you know, it's all entertainment. But but realizing when you're in that realm, you're now on campus, you're in that locker room, understand how important this is. Understand that this is an opportunity that few people ever get a chance to have. And take advantage of it because it can all be gone tomorrow. Um, so that's, that's the hardest thing, I think, for a lot of young kids, um, especially those that have had uh, hard scrabble lives, they don't really understand it. But that's one thing that I've really enjoyed about uh, meeting a lot of the, the coaches on Barry's staff. I think they are uh, fine men uh, beyond just being coaches. I think they're great teachers. But they try to impart that type of knowledge uh, on the players. So when you have coaches that are going beyond just the football piece and trying to really develop uh, young men, uh, that's when your program, to me, starts to grow. I mean, I love the fact that you guys are eating breakfast together and enjoying meals, and you're really learning how to trust each other as teammates. Coach, I want to ask you about the excitement I think is going to surround your quarterback this year. Uh, came back uh, for another year. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, what a spe- and talking about Drew Locke, that is, what a spectacular year he had uh, in getting you guys back to the bowl. Tell us about, we see him on the field, we, know, we see his personality. Uh, what can you tell us about Drew Locke that, that makes him the leader that he is? And, and, and talk about the types of things that he's going to really be, uh, let's face it, he's going to be under a microscope, you know, perhaps in a Heisman conversation. There's going to be a lot of attention on Drew Locke. Most definitely, and, and I think you know, the number one thing that, that we've got to do as a staff is make sure the ten guys around him play really well, because if, if they do, then that makes his job uh, quite a bit easier, obviously. Um, it would be uh, really foolish for me to think that he's going to put up the numbers that he did last year. I mean, he threw more touchdowns than anybody in the history of the Southeastern Conference. Uh, you know, I'm not, and he's not concerned with that number. We're concerned with the win-loss column. And he understands the better that he plays, obviously, then he's going to give us an opportunity in every game. But he also understands the mental side of the approach that it's going to take this year because of the focus, uh, the number of requests that that he's already taken on on either guest appearances, you know, autograph sessions, all the different things that, that people tug in him in every direction. He realizes that the number one thing that he needs to do is take care of this football team and play at a high level, prepare the right way, and be there for his teammates. I'm, we're fortunate uh, that just like Kerry Beckner, uh, both of those guys are probably mature beyond their years uh, on, on the big picture on what they need to do process-wise to continue to put themselves in position to have a chance to go play. And they also realize that the most important thing is taking care uh, of their senior season and making sure they leave the legacy that uh, what they want to with the 2018 Missouri Tigers. So um, I, I'm glad that, that both of them decided to come back. They also know that every move that they make will be watched. And um, right now, both of them have embraced the opportunity to be in that in that spotlight. What did you see 
so far um, out, of, out of this team? And, and, and talk about maybe some of the young guys. You've also have a couple of new uh, new coaching hires. Yeah, the thing so far, and, and, and Howard was, you know, visiting a little bit about the opportunity that you have in spring practice. And I think it's so important in the world of Instagram today when you want, you know, things don't go right, well, let's just look at the next page. Um, you know, the opportunity, spring ball, there's not really a reward other than, you know, let's go practice as, as, as hard as we can practice every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday and try to get a, a improvement on not only your individual skill set, your position group, your unit, and then ultimately our football team. So as a staff, uh, you know, it's a little bit different with, with the kids, you know, 17, 18 through the age of 22 on, on their approach with them. I mean, right now if I was talking to my team, you know, of the 115 of them, 85 of them would be asleep because I've already gone too long. You know what I mean? They would be ready to, to go on. So you, you've got to keep things lively. You've got to keep it active. And you also have to promote and show them the picture on what they need um, on how it's improving their game, but also how it makes our football team better. So we set goals for each practice for every player on our roster, exactly what we wanted them to hit, not only individual goals, but by position. And that served us well because I think we made a lot of ground up in 14 days or 14 opportunities of practice uh, leading up to the spring game. Um, you always worry about when you have coaching staff changes or hires or moves for whatever reason. And I was happy that, that Coach Heupel had an opportunity to go be a head coach. When we hired him a couple years ago, I knew that you know if things went right, he would have an opportunity and more than one. Uh, and he wouldn't probably be here very long. So he got a great opportunity at University or at Central Florida, and will do a great job there. So once you lose uh, a staff member, it's your job to make sure that you do everything you can uh, to to replace that and and make a better hire. Not only uh, schematically on what you want to do on the field, but in the locker room, in the meeting rooms, in your staff room, and then give your kids an opportunity to be successful. So on offense, uh, that was the approach that I took in, in going out and searching for. Uh, the guys that were replaced, Derek Dooley is our offensive coordinator and coaches our quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I've taken all kinds of hell and grief for him not calling the offense before. Uh, I think he's going to be all right. So we, uh, he worked for Nick Saban for seven years as an assistant coach, and anybody that can do that probably got some thick skin. Um, <laughs> he was the athletic director and the head football coach at the same time at Louisiana Tech, so he's probably made some tough decisions there. And then he was the head football coach at uh, the University of Tennessee. And knowing what a head coach goes through on the decisions that you've got to make from a day-to-day -day basis, the guy's made a couple of tough decisions. And then uh, he coached Des Bryant for five years at the Dallas Cowboys. So I'll leave that one out there and take it for whatever it's worth. So he's, uh, he's going to be OK making a call on third and one uh, when we need it. So. Uh, it worked out okay for Alabama last year. Their offense coordinator had never called plays. They, they seem to do okay. Uh, and I, I've got a whole list of guys that first-time coordinators or first-time play callers. I'm excited about what he's done with their offense, working with the offensive staff. A guy named Brad Davis that uh, uh, Howard was speaking about earlier as an offensive line coach. He was at Florida last year. I've known him for a number of years, and finally it matched up. Um, when we had a chance to hire him and we finally got him hired. I tried a couple years ago to do the same thing. He's done a great job with our offensive line. Um, he's a real person and a great dude and, and is making our program better. Uh, A.J. Afadle was our director of recruiting and now he's coaching our wide receivers and Andy Hill took over the role of special teams coordinator which will make our team better uh, in that aspect. 
we needed a focus on on that part, that third part of the game, and I think we've gotten better uh, in, in a great way over the spring practice and our special teams. And then on defense, uh, we hired a guy to coach inside linebackers named Vernon Hargraves, uh, who was at Miami forever, uh, most recently at the University of Arkansas. So he knows the league, knows how to play defense, understands the landscape of who we're going against. So all in all, you know, the, the thing when you make hires, you want guys that are competitive, you want team guys, but I don't want a room full of yes guys. I don't want everyone to sit there in the in the staff room and say the sky is purple and I got 10 guys looking at me and say, yeah, coach, it is. It, it's okay to have arguments. It's okay to have conversation. That's the way you get better as an organization. So um, the guys have done a heck of a job. I like the group that we've got. There's not any hidden agendas in the room. We're trying to get this deal done together, and uh, it's been a lot of fun to work with. You said thick skin. Um, I want to segue there because you got off to a tough start. And I'm sure you were hearing the whispers, what's going on with Mizzou football? And then you guys got hot and you went to a bowl game. Can, can you just take us back, Coach, to that time? What did you tell your team? What did you tell yourself about where, where you were at that time before you guys got hot? It's a G-rated audience. You don't want to hear what I told myself. Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend starting one and five. Uh, I know that, that, that wasn't healthy. Uh, but I also knew that, that we were close to, uh, you know, we were doing a lot of really good things, um, minus the three and a half hours on Saturday, which ultimately that's the only thing that counts. But our, our, our guys were going to class. We were working hard in the weight room. Our preparation was right. We just weren't playing very well. And, uh, you know, finally started playing with a little bit of confidence. Uh, guys played a little more freely and uh, begin to make plays. Um, so more than anything, I, I credit the, the players and our staff. We, just, we stayed the course. And I had all kinds of notes sitting here. I had seven, seven topics of, of leadership that I was, was going to talk about because I didn't really know the format of today. But, but those things um, were challenged. Um, and, but I knew we were on the right path because I could see it. Um, the things were starting to align in the right direction for us to go win a football game. There were times that we were playing uh, good enough to win a game, but we weren't ever doing it consistently, offense, defense, and kicking. So started to put that stuff together, um, and I was, was thrilled for our team, and especially our seniors, to be able to finish up and get back into a bowl game, uh, which is obviously the, the expectation on where we're going to be every year. Tell us about that bowl experience, and, and we always hear that uh, the great thing about a bowl game is, is, is more practices. It's, is, is it more than that, or is that, is that pretty important? Well, I think that ultimately you're, you, you qualify for a bowl because you've won enough games, so you always want to be in that contention. Uh, our bowl experience was awesome, except, except the three hours that we played the game, and that wasn't very good. Um, so we really looked back hard and, and long on, on the reasons why we didn't play as well. And we'll, we'll fix some of those things we feel like moving forward. Uh, but our kids, you know, it's a reward for them, number one. Um, they get an opportunity. And, and the thing that I try to do um, every day for, for our kids and our student athletes is to make sure that they've got lifelong experiences. They've got every situation that we provide them opportunities that are really going to affect them for the rest of their life. And this was another opportunity for them uh, to grow together as a team and an individual and understand uh, the importance on the things that they did, there was a, an, a, a reward for that, but also now we got to finish and, and find a way to play better in the bowl game. 
want you to take me back when you first became the head coach. Gary Pinkle uh, retires fairly suddenly. Uh, you were a guy that was in demand out there, and, and you become the head coach. And I want you to now look back on that time when you become the head coach and, and all the, the excitement, you know, the anxiety, you know, the pressures and everything. Now you've been in this seat for a while now. As you look back, talk about the road. What, what were, take us back through all those things, uh, the good times as well as the things that maybe you weren't sure of. Well, I think the, the looking back now um, on the time it's been, the two and a half years or, or whatever it's been, it's gone by really quick um, for, for me because you, you just wake up and you drive into the office and you try to make Mizzou football better today than it was yesterday, and that's the approach you take. Um, obviously, you know, I don't, I don't have it all figured out. I'm, I'm not saying that, but I've got more comfort, and a lot of that reason is because of the leadership we have in our athletic department, uh, the leadership that we've got on campus, and then the staff room, the way that we've got it set. So there's, uh, and, and I've got strong conviction and belief on the things that we're doing will ultimately, all the process things that we're doing will ultimately lead to, to a lot of victories for our program. I know that, that we're establishing a foundation for kids to be successful academically and, and socially, and um, you know the, the things that, that they're able to do and now turn it around and either play football for another 15 years in the NFL or go live a very productive life. I'm, I'm proud to have a small part in that. Talk, talk to us on the recruiting trail, Coach, and, and what do kids want to hear these days? Is it about playing time? And, and it, it, what is it the big stage? What What is it the kids want to hear the most? Or is obviously you, you have different kids that have different things in mind, but you also have the social media aspect. Any pressures out there and so many things that the kids worry about today. Let's, let's go back, say, 10 years. What, what's the difference and what are the challenges on the recruiting trail? We look at for for us that my number one goal is to get a kid and his family, their guardian, whoever it is, on our campus. And if we can do that, then we've got a great chance of getting them because they can come and they can see what we are as a program, what our university is. Uh, they get to write their own script. They don't have to believe everything that they read, uh, which some is true and some is really really far from the truth. But if we can get kids on campus, they get to paint their own picture and see what our program is. Now we've got a great shot, and uh, you know every every kid's a little bit different. I've probably you know hurt us a little bit in some of my approach, but I don't ever promise starting time. Uh, the only thing I promise our kids, and if they're sitting with their families, is I, I promise that you'll graduate from the University of Missouri, and that's important to me. We're paying for your school. I'm going to make sure you go to class. I'm going to make sure you do things right. A diploma doesn't make you smarter than anybody else. It means you're just willing to do the work. I mean, shit, I got two of them from Missouri, and I'm not very smart, right? But I, I was willing to do the work to go get them. Uh, so I want them to have a diploma when they walk away from Mizzou. I also, I, I promise them that I'm going to treat them just like they're my son. And there's going to be days that they need a hug, and there's probably going to be a couple days they need to be kicked in the rear end. But that's the approach. And I'm going to hold them accountable. We're going to work really hard and really well together. I'm going to coach them hard. Uh, but it will be the most rewarding experience that they've ever had in their life. And with that, at the University of Missouri, you're going to achieve every goal that you want to uh, in your college career. I want to ask you about that too, Howard. Just the, the recruiting aspect, you know, what, what do you see also as kids, what are they looking for today, and, and how much has social media just been a force uh, today as opposed to back in the day? 
don't think it's changed that much. Um, I think obviously you're looking at uh, successful programs, uh, but I think for me, I was also looking for a personal connection. You know, whether it was Coach Cadillac or Coach Curtis Jones who recruited me to Mizzou, uh, someone that that you know wasn't talking with a lot of flowery language, but you know, someone that was just being truthful and honest with me. And that's the thing that I um, depended on the most. And I didn't get that at uh, a lot of the other schools that I went to. Um, and, and I didn't think that I would ultimately end up in Missouri, but I did for that very reason. Um, kids, you know, aside from wins and losses, they look at that. They look at facilities, uh, hence our South End Zone project. Uh, and, and Barry will tell you that, that will be a game changer for us. Um, let's just face it. You know, it's, you've got to have those you got to have that infrastructure to be able to keep up, uh, to keep pace, and to stay ahead of the game uh, when you're talking about recruits. Um, and again, that whole college experience, you know, opportunities beyond the game, which is what these young men should be looking for. Um, what course of study? What will you do when football is no longer uh, your primary focus in life? Uh, and I think uh, a good majority of guys do that. These young players do that. Um, and I think it's also incumbent upon uh, those that are doing the recruiting and selling of those positive attributes of your program, you know, to the parents, to the guardians, whoever the case may be, whoever's watching over these kids. Those things have to be emphasized because when this game's over, you know, all you have left is, you know, what your commitment was to uh, earning that degree and where you're going later. Beyond that, football is just, it doesn't define you. Um, it, I love my experience. Football doesn't define me. You know, people judge me on what I'm doing now. And that's the most important thing. You've got to make yourself marketable and competitive uh, for the next 30, 40, 50 years. Coach, take us through the SEC. It's, it's rugged. It's tough. Uh, but the challenge that, that you have with recruiting, as well as just battling these teams week in and week out. Well, the great thing is you, you stack up against, you know, the collectively the, the strongest conference in, in college football, and that's as a competitor, that's what you want. You know, we finished 4-4 four and four last year in league play, and, and, and we need to be better than that if we want to be playing for, uh, for a championship. So uh, the opportunity exists every week uh, once you get into conference play that, that you know uh, that you're going to get uh, a great, well-coached opponent across the field from you. Um, you know, the league is strong, maybe stronger going into this season than it's been uh, from top to bottom, uh, if, if you look at it on the, on the east side. And uh, we'll have a great opportunity with, with getting, you know, a couple of non-conference games in uh, to try to get better each week. And if you can do that and then play your best ball in November, then we'll have an opportunity there at the end of the season to be where we need to be. Why don't you go back a little bit and talk about the guys that, that, that mentored you through your, through your life, you know, whether it's coaching, you know, personal, who, who are people that really influenced you uh, to be the man that you are and the way that you communicate with people, with the kids? I've had a fortune. I've been uh, around a lot of really good people that, that have helped me and surrounded, I've always been surrounded by really good people. And, um, you know, it hadn't always been easy. I'm not saying that, but um, I've, I've had experiences that have always put me uh, now that I can lean on and, and think back to that that I utilize today uh, you know my college coach was Larry Smith and how Howard was talking how spring ball had changed for him we had a um, 
um, I don't know, is probably practice three uh, of, of spring practice. We could have more than 15 then too, Howard, which well, that wasn't that long ago, but still you could. And for whatever reason, there were a lot of fights during practice. And, and Larry, uh, in his own way, uh, loving to death, he, he stopped practice. He said, all right, if anybody gets in a fight in practice, uh, you'll, you'll see me or see the strength coach after practice. So like the next snap, we were an inside run. And I got tied up with a guy named Ernest Blackwell from the St. Louis area. Eureka uh, was one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen in my life. He was about 6'4", and his arms could reach from here to back turn the, the uh, light switch off on the back wall. And we were lockered right next to each other, and I got to know Ernest really well. But for whatever reason, we got into a fight. And I didn't think a thing about it. And after the practice was over, Coach Smith said, Odom Blackwell, come here. And went over, and he had a set of boxing gloves, and he gave it to Ernest. And he gave me a set of boxing gloves. And he said, you guys want to fight? We're going to fight. Take your helmets and shoulder pads off. And he made us fight for three minutes. <laughs> And still today, that's the longest three minutes of my life because <laughs> I got my ever-living ass whipped. I couldn't, his reach, I couldn't even get close. I felt like the little brother that's sitting there swinging. Um, I don't know, what was the question you asked? That's a pretty good start. Uh, greatest influence. So I had, the, the team saw it, all right? So the next day I thought, I got to get some dignity back. So I knew, I picked a fight with somebody I knew I was going to get after. <laughs> And it, and it worked. So, what was the question? Mentors, yeah. Oh, mentor, Larry Smith, he was one. Uh, but you look at, you know, if I, if I tried to do that in today's practice, I would be out of there before. Uh, I'd be on the street corner looking for a job. Um, uh, he was such a great influence for me, and he gave me an opportunity to change my life. And he paid for my school. Uh, that really opened up doors for me, like Howard was talking about, about your experiences, and then use those opportunities to, to change your life course history, and he absolutely did it. Uh, you know, being, being on, you know, learning from him, um, you know, there's, there's a number of guys along the way that you take some of those things with you uh, that you try to, uh, you know, apply. And every team's a little bit different, but you still got to have your core base belief structure and values that you run your program with. Uh, so you, I've taken a little bit of everybody that I've been around that I think and then apply it uh, to each situations that uh, that you encounter. You know, before we, you know, when you sat down, we started talking about football and, and you, you kind of wanted to make it clear about football and, and what a good thing uh, football can be. I want you to elaborate on that a little bit more, Coach, because we do know that the numbers are down. There are, you know, some of the greatest players in the game now that you're hearing, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to have my kids play football. Uh, it's rough. Uh, we talk about brain injuries, the whole bit. Um, what do you want people to know about the game, and, and how, how much of a challenge is it to now you know, go into living rooms and, and even tell parents that you know, we'll try to keep your, your kids safe, even though we know what football is? It's a rough sport. Well, you look at and and the bring up a good point that the number one thing that I want to accomplish when we go on the field I want to make sure they have a safe environment for our players and I, they need to know their parents and the high school coaches all that 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 we're going to practice hard but we're going to practice smart uh, we've got cutting edge you know research on on uh, how to tackle uh, you know the aiming points how to keep your head out of it uh, and then uh, all the scientific things that go into concussion protocol you know, if you're not hydrated, you're you're more likely to, to, to get a concussion. 
So you take that, take the steps back. Hydration is the key leading up to that. Practice smart. It's going to happen that there are injuries in the game of football, just like I was playing tennis the other day and I sprained my ankle. Those are going to happen when you're active. Injuries are going to happen. You've got to make sure that you set an environment that's, that's safe for your players and your team, but also understand and realize and, and talk about as many times as I can because guys that, that played football and understand it, been in it, understand the values. You know, I've got, I, I've got very few close friends, um, but the ones I have I shared a locker room with, uh, and those things don't change. Uh, you, you become and, and form who you are moving forward by, by your surroundings and the opportunities that you've been presented. And, and really, I've got some great friends that, that I shared a locker room with that uh, you know I wouldn't have never met had it not been for the game of football. Now, I look at our locker room right now, guys, and you walk in there, and it doesn't matter what your last name is, how much money you do or don't have, or your family, uh, what, what you, the, the tone of your skin looks like. Uh, it has zero uh, amounts to zero on any of that stuff. Our locker room is how our society should be. There's all guys in there that are working together. They're going to do everything they can for their teammate and their brother. And, and that is the approach that I'm proud of. And I've challenged our guys, when you leave Mizzou and you leave our locker room, work like this is what you want our society to be because we're making it a better place. I want to get a couple questions for, for Coach Odom. If you guys can start to think about what you want to throw at the coach, I'm going to ask one more question here. Um, you talked about the science of football. We know, I guess, with baseball, we've heard so much about analytics. Talk about, Coach, how much you know the science. There's the science now in, in sports, and, and how much um, does Mizzou uh, get into analytics or the science? And is it something that we're going to see more of? I think as you, as you grow and you you uh, you know things move on with either businesses or corporations or you know it's the same thing that that we're doing. You want to always try to get a little bit better. And you find an advantage, uh, whether it's a statistical number by formation or personnel grouping or split and alignment or down and distance or the, the opportunity now that our quarterbacks and all of our positions have with, with a virtual training, uh, virtual reality training center we've got in our building. All of those things. I mean, did you ever have any virtual reality training? Uh, I don't even know what virtual reality is. Yeah. <laughs> So we set up and structure, you know, part of, of every day that, that we, we set up a defense on how we want it exactly to look. We film it, and then, you know, we get the point of view from the quarterback taking a snap. We rotate the safeties on the coverage on how you want it to see or don't, and then he's got an opportunity to make the right read, press a button where he's going to go with the ball. It's unbelievable. So our guys between now and when we start back in, in August can get, you know, you can get a million reps, and that, that makes a difference. You know, I've got it lined up now where, from a linebacker's perspective, they're seeing the, the offensive line the way you're supposed to read it, key read. You know, if we get a guard pull, if they're, if they're influencing, whatever the read is, you put these goggles on, you go through the steps, it's, it's awesome. So those things have changed dramatically in, in the last couple of years, and, you know, we're still, there's, there's different things out there that are going to give us an, a, an opportunity. How about questions for the coach? I've said some things. I've said some things that I'm hoping doesn't get on Twitter, social media, news. I've talked kind of freely here today, so 
if you really want that, we need everybody that doesn't want to hear this to close their ears. I think it's the worst thing in the world, and, and we do it. You know what I mean? You're going to take advantage of it. But the rule states, uh, whatever bylaw, whatever rule in the, in the manual, is the lineman can be downfield, okay, as long as when the quarterback releases the ball from the release point if they're not past three yards down the field. So we're going to take every inch of that that we can, and then we're going to leave it up to the side official, you know, how close can he gauge three yards? Uh, because it gives you a huge advantage, and it's really, really hard to defend. I hate it, though. Well, I think you, you look at um, the correlation between being a great kicker uh, or a good kicker in the, in the high school level, and then how does that transfer over to, to our game? Uh, number one, the few things you need to look at, are they kicking off a block? Are they kicking off the ground? Because in college football, you can't use that. you got to kick off the ground. So you look at that. You want to also look at leg strength, uh, the pop that the, you know, how, they, how the ball comes off of their foot but also any directional kicking, how comfortable with that, uh, are they with that? And then it, if you get into the punting part of it, now with the game on how you can rugby or roll out punt, that's changed uh, the return game dramatically. So all those factors go into it. But I think it, you know, Tucker McCann's our starting kicker and really struggled his first year, but had a great year last year and, and had an unbelievable spring. I think it's taken him a little bit of time of going and transitioning from being able to kick off an inch and a half block to kitchen kicking off the ground. He did some of that in high school just to show coaches he could do it off the ground, but the transfer and understanding how that has taken place, he's done a great job adapting because I think he can be a huge weapon for us next year. My, my coaching point for Tucker was like, hey, see those two uprights? Like, make it between them. Um, so anyway, we finally got a guy in there that knows a little bit about the fundamentals of, of, of kicking the ball, which has been good for us. Coach, uh, has there been a discussion on the rule, rule of the change, the timeout uh, on a first down? I mean, that's one of the things that can make the game so long. I know. The, the thing you look at, the, the uh, they're trying to change all the rules for um, to speed the game up. And if you look at the last three years, again, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this, but TV's the reason uh, that the game's so long. Because there's not TV in one AA football, right, usually, or Division II. Their games, because of the new rules, have sped up. The only games that's slowing down are the ones that are on TV all the time. I'm telling you, they'll sit there and say, Cody, TV timeout. Like, okay, is this one of the, how long is it? You know, because each quarter you got like two of them that are three minutes. And standing there for three minutes, it, it, it hurts the, the flow of the game, obviously the fan experience, but also the players are sitting there, you look like, you know, come on, you could this be a great play or, or not a great play? And, and really the mental focus that that takes to stay in the moment, uh, it's, it's hard. That's one thing. We started scripting it during practice uh, this spring that, hey, you know, after play seven, we're taking a TV timeout. And we would go over to the side. We would. We'd sit there and be like, okay, the assistant coaches are looking at me like, let's go. And I'm like, it's not three minutes yet. You know, this is what we got to get used to. So it's, you know, that's that's the reason. Uh, and, again, TV doesn't care. They, they tell us where and when we're playing, and we don't get a vote on that. Coach, uh, read the various experts 
opinion of your recruiting class. Just curious how you would rate it as being objective as you can with it, obviously. But what do you think about your recruiting class? Well, I looked at, at last year's recruiting class, and I'm, I apologize that I don't know what the expert said on on two years ago, but we played 13 true freshmen last year. You know, Larry Roundtree, uh, I think he was a two-star guy, ended up playing pretty well in the Southeastern Conference. So fairly confident in the job that we're doing in, in our evaluation. Um, if I, I have learned if you ever get in the business of chasing stars, uh, that that's probably not the right fit for us culturally on what we're trying to build our program around. Now, if you find the right fit and for whatever reason he's a highly uh, recruited or, or sought after guy, then, then that's great. But um, I feel confident in, in the structure that we have on the number of guys that we're trying to sign, not only that fit us, uh, what our locker room is, but also schematically what we're trying to do on both sides of the ball. I think we'll probably have a number of guys this year in this incoming uh, class that, that have an opportunity to play as well as true freshmen. How do you adjust your game day with all these different starting times? You know, you either play with 11 Yeah, once we get into, you know, our, our Thursday, yeah, Thursday walk, our Thursday practice, from the time that we hit the field on Thursday, the next 48 hours should be exactly the same uh, as far as our approach leading up to kick. Um, so Thursday practice is very scripted and what we want to hit. Our Friday walkthrough and meeting times, whether it's home or away, are exactly the same. Once we get to the hotel, could we stay in a hotel on home games and away games, obviously. Uh, we want to get there around 5 p.m., whether we're home or away. And then we're locked into our Friday night routine, which is, is proved uh, for us, we think gives our, our kids the best chance to be ready to go play. Now, on game day, I, w I wish every game was either at 11 or at 1 uh, because think about sitting around the hotel with, you know, 70 guys, 75 guys, whatever we, you know, and, and you don't have until a 7 o'clock kick. So you're trying to balance enough time to let them sleep a little bit, make sure they get up and move around and walk through. Mentally, they're focused on what they need to do. you got to feed them. You don't want to bore them to death in meetings. They're ready to go play. So there's a fine balance there that, that uh, and again, every team's a little bit different, but um, it's, it's not easy. The, the hardest part of that, you play a night game in Athens, Georgia, uh, starts at 7 o'clock. You're probably not getting back to Columbia till about 5 a.m. the next day, but nobody cares, right? It's Sunday, you got to get back to work because you got another game in six days. That's, that's the, the effect of you, know, you play an away game at night. That's, that's the one you want to try to stay away from. What's your challenge on, on family time? And, you know, so much time on the field, you're traveling, film time. Uh, how, do, how do coaches, it, it, it's a tough life, but how, how, do, you, how do you manage to, to balance it? I think there's, there's a lot of businesses that, that you're busy, right, that, that you, the work pulls you away from, from what would be time you'd be at your house. So fortunately for me, I've got a, a wife that I met at Mizzou our sophomore year. Uh, that's kind of all she knows, and, and she enjoys it. I, I think if there was ever a time that I had to be at home a lot, probably wouldn't last because he's <laughs> she used to me being out and gone. Um, you know, the, usually during the summer when I'm home a little bit more, I come home, she's like, would you quit trying to fix everything? I got this. Uh, so I've learned my, there, there's, uh, we've, got a, we've got three kids, uh, we've got a dog, and then I'm way down here on the level of importance <laughs> around the house. Um, so there's a balance there. I think it's also, you know, she has done a great job on she brings them to our kids to practice. 
so they can see kind of what I do. Uh, they, they understand it, and uh, it's just kind of the lifestyle that we've chosen, and, and it works for us. Any other final thoughts for Coach? I think the uh, obviously winning helps, like you said. I think the continuing uh, of building relationships with high school coaches, and then I think the community involvement um, in the right way uh, by by the rules and regulations that are set is um, to help us help us recruit, spread the word, help get kids on campus, and then um, you know the opportunity that that uh, alumni can provide on on telling in. You know those kids or those coaches, their experiences at Mizzou, on on how how all that plays together, that could really help us out. One final question: uh, You talk a little bit about how the rules have changed over the years as far as the players getting paid. Is that governed by the conference? Yeah, it's uh, interesting. I could talk uh, you know a while about it. The the scholarship kids on, on every sport they get what is called now a cost of attendance check. So that's set on campus uh, in our admissions office and then approved by conference and NCAA if the formula is accurate. So you can't dream up what the transportation cost would be for a kid and you know bump your numbers up. So um, you know, I think it's fair and, and uh, uh, an amount that you know, some kids have some money when they come to college. Some kids don't have you know, two pennies to rub together. So it provides them an opportunity if they want to go to the movies, they got a chance to go do it. Um, I think there's some, some structure and some opportunity for, for kids to, uh, you know, for us, we've brought in, you know, uh, bankers or, or folks that deal with money, and we've had to teach kids how to, how to budget money. Some of them have no clue. I mean, it's a direct deposit every month. They've got to figure out how, how to do that. If you're buying a new pair of Jordan tennis shoes every month, well, that's probably not a real smart way to budget your money. So uh, those are some things, and again, for us, on teaching some life skills has been beneficial, and I'm glad the NCAA has allowed us to, to be able to do that. First of all, let's thank Coach Oldham for his time today. And I have one announcement on May 9th. Um, there's an opportunity for all of you all in this room to attend uh, the coaches' caravan. It'll be uh, from 6 to 8, 8 p.m. at Anheuser-Busch's Beer Garden. Um, it's a free event. Uh, I will say this, the last caravan that was in Springfield, they had, I think, 380 people. Uh, there's at least room for 500 Mike, Mike Owens at uh, the Beer Garden, and we want to pack the house. So you get a chance to hear again from Coach Odom, um, Coach Conzo Martin, uh, women's head coach Robin Pinchton, and of course Jim Sterk. Uh, there should also be um, a number of uh, former Mizzou student athletes as, as well. Uh, so it should be a great time. Get a chance to, to come out and and uh, you know meet everyone and, and get up close and personal a little bit more than you get a chance to do so here. So uh, please come out and you can go online and register at uh, mutigers.com. It should be one of the first things you see on the website.